Don't write this, don't read this, don't rate this, it's rubbish, don't, don't publish, publish this podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Don't Publish This Podcast. My name is Anthony Arnott, and here he is, as ever, it's Mr. Andrew Williams. How are you, my good Mara? I am particularly well after the last episode, but how are you? It was your birthday yesterday? Good day. It was. It was a lovely. It was a lovely day. Thanks. Yeah. I went to work, but other than that, it was superb. Did you have a takeaway? No, no. We um we had oh. a senior. It was it was bloody lovely. Oh well, good because you know you said there was the rumours of a takeaway and that didn't materialise. I would hope it was well, replaced by something. Well, we went out on the Sunday for our lunch. In the lovely ah. town of Morpeth. Um, oh, yeah. I know Morpeth. Do you? I do. I've visited a, a good few times. Do you know what, um, you like this, do you know what the Weatherspoons, or one of the Weatherspoons in Morpeth is called? Do tell. It's called the Electrical Wizard. Ah. Of Windsor. No, no. Of Morpeth. Uh, of course, of course. Anyway, anyway, shall we crack on as it were, yes. with uh, with today's episode? Yes, to, which is uh, we were given the title of probably not. Um, do you have a coin for the tossing? I do, I do indeed. Good, good. I toss you call tails as always. I dropped it. I know. Ah, oh, been there, been there. At least toss it before you dropped it, or is that? No, I just, I just fell out my hand. Oh, fail. I would say it could only go from here, but alas, no, you've already won this series, Andrew. So if you are joining us, ladies and gents, for the score element of this podcast, don't bother. He's won. Forget about it. But if you are joining us for unpublishable stories um, to enjoy, then please continue listening. Uh, so go on, yeah. So I call tails. <clears throat> he's dropped it again. It is tails. It is. Oh, it looks like it's me first. Um, strap yourselves in. Uh, I'm afraid it's a lengthy one today. Okay. Uh, um, I have probably not an historical tale. Here we go. Is this a story you're likely to read in the history books? Probably not. Title. Is it a true story? Probably not. Title again. (laughs) Am I going to tell it anyway? You bet, because this is what I heard. Is my source reliable? Well, you can probably guess, but here goes. A long time ago, I'm talking late 1600s, my great great Great, great. I've lost count of the greats. Granddad's boss's neighbor's butler's cousin lived next door, but two to one Mrs. Margaret Teach. Now, Margaret, I'm told, was a stern woman, the kind you might describe backhandedly as handsome. She and her husband, a nigh on mute gentleman by the name of Bernard, became parents to a son, Edward. Even from a young age, 
Edward was a bit of a softy, like Walter the softy soft. You know that lad with the glasses from the Beano who Dennis the Menace always menaces? In those days, most children were tough, but not Edward. As they grew older and tougher, Edward grew softer. By the early 1700s, now at the age of 21, by which point most men of the era were earning a crust for their own families, Edward was still living at home, writing poetry and baking. We need to toughen him up, Bernard, scathed Margaret one evening after a particularly large mug of mead. Fat chance he's at it with you. Bernard, who, as previously stated, was nigh on mute, said nigh on nothing, save for a small nervous chuckle. Margaret eyed him thoughtfully and disdainfully. No, it's up to me, she said. And with that, she thought. She thought for a long time about how she could toughen up her son. There was no way he'd survive the harshness of life once she was gone. Eventually, she hit upon an idea. Edward would become a seaman. She'd find a captain, one patient enough to take him in and toughen him up, and he would sail the seven seas, see something of the world, live a life, drink rum, and become a real man. She congratulated herself internally on a good idea and strolled off into town, dragging Edward by the ear like a naughty boy who's truant at school, although Edward would never have done such a thing, all the way to the Sailor's Arms, a sinister-looking public house frequented by the toughest seamen in all of England. I don't much like the walk of these chaps, muttered Edward as he scanned the room full of half-cut bearded men, many missing eyes, ears, or other body parts from various scrapes at sea. Margaret sighed. Edward's inability to say the letter L wasn't going to do much for his image amongst these rugged sea folk. Fortunately for Margaret, she was a formidable woman, and more than a match for any of the men in the room. You, said Margaret sternly, with the third accent I've given her already, pointing at a particularly tough-looking man, she decided to look right for the job. I have a new crew member for you. He's a bit rough around the edges, but he's ready to learn. Arr, I'm afraid he's not for me, lady, he replied in a stereotypically seafaring voice, like that heard on Robert Newton when he played Long John Silver in the 50s. Did the people actually speak like that then? Probably not. But for the purpose of this story, we'll go with it. There's no way I'm paying another crew member, he continued, especially not that landlubber. Edward hung his head in faux dejection, but really was relieved. That landlubber, said Margaret sternly, is my son, and you will take him. You don't need to pay him, just feed him and toughen him up. The man stared at her for a moment contemplatively. Margaret sensed she may be able to persuade him. He makes lovely cakes, she added. Arr, you should have said, he crowed, turning to Edward. Welcome to the crew, matey. The name's Captain Hornigold. Despite the Camp Carrion style name, Captain Benjamin Hornigold was a real person. I've checked, and he is in the history books. The day arrived for Edward to set sail with Hornigold and his crew. You may be surprised to hear that Edward was terrified at the prospect. But then again, you guessed it, probably not. Mother, please don't make me go, he begged. I don't like the water. Quiet, Margaret snarled under her breath. You're going to embarrass yourself. Now come on. Once more, Edward found himself being dragged by the ear, this time onto the ship and below deck, away from earshot of the crew, where Margaret could give him a stern talking to. She went on and on about the harsh realities of life, how he needed toughening up, and how all this was for his own good. She went on, and on, and on. 
She went on so much, she didn't notice the anchor being hoisted noisily of a heave-ho of rowers as they set sail. Having eventually realised her predicament, Margaret made herself useful aboard the ship, taking the role of stern mother, making sure those scruffy seamen kept everything ship-shape. Edward was confined to the kitchen, baking cakes for the hungry crew, which he didn't mind at all. After a few days at sea, Margaret realised something. They had no cargo, nor were they fishing. She did not know the purpose of their journey or where they were going. Perhaps, she thought guiltily, she should have shown a bit more due diligence before packing her only son off to sea with a group of strangers. Perhaps it served her right that she had now been forced to join him. It was only when Hornigold ordered the flag be hoisted as they approached another ship that she realised the purpose of their sailing. That most recognisable black and white skull and crossbones, the Jolly Roger, confirmed that these noble seamen were, in fact, cutthroat pirates. Edward stayed trembling in the kitchen below deck as the siege of the other ship commenced. Margaret stood tutting on deck at the mess being made, showing little concern for the cannonballs flying around or the loss of human life. She was made of stern stuff, that's why I've used the word stern a lot, and was in many ways suited to a pirate's life. So suited to it, in fact, that over the ensuing months she began to enjoy and actively participate in the crew's activities. She felt liberated. Edward, quite the opposite, continued to spend all his time below deck. The only thing that made him blend in with all the pirates was the tremendous black beard he now sported, having not had the opportunity to partake in his usual grooming routine. Margaret had often chastised him for his unkempt appearance, until she realised something. That beard made him look like a pirate. Maybe with a little tweaking, he could even look mildly fearsome. With this realisation, Margaret began to formulate a plan which would leave an indelible mark on the great age of piracy. The crew had grown to respect Margaret greatly, all the while their respect for Captain Hornigold was dwindling. He had become sloppy in his work, he was enjoying a few too many of Edward's cakes, and he was becoming increasingly corpulent and sluggish. Many of the crew planned to overthrow him as captain, and Margaret, now a fully-fledged pirate, was favoured to take over. But... Though she was a pirate, she never forgot the true purpose of her journey and her role as mother. So what if, she thought, she could somehow make the pirates believe that Edward was the driving force behind all of her best pirating schemes, that he only ever locked himself in the kitchen to plan vicious acts of piracy? What if she could have Edward take over as captain? Margaret began by dripping false information to crew members, rumours that Edward had deliberately fattened up the captain to weaken him and take his position. She pushed a crew member overboard in the middle of the night, then claimed she saw Edward do it. She put, shot, sorry, she put salt instead of sugar in the first mate's tea, and again, Edward was blamed. Being almost constantly inebriated, the pirates were not hard to convince. Before long, and unbeknownst to him, Edward was primed to take over as captain. Margaret, of course, led the mutiny, and one of the pirates, uh, sorry, and one by one, the pirates voted out Hornigold in favour of their new captain, who they nicknamed Blackbeard. On one occasion, Edward had been in the ship's kitchen baking, though now in secret at his mother's behest, when his vast beard caught fire on the stove. He ran above deck, seeking the help of his mother, with smoke erupting like volcanic ash from his magnificent facial growth. He arrived, by sheer coincidence, at a moment when the ship were under siege from the Royal Navy. Edward, or Captain Blackbeard, as he was widely known by this point, made for a terrifying sight. So shaken were his crew's assailants that they were drained of all courage and subsequently lost the battle and their own ship. 
Thus, the legend of Captain Blackbeard setting fire to his beard during battle was born, his false reputation as a cutthroat pirate burgeoning more and more each day. Years passed, and Margaret was feeling rather smug at the success of her plan. She was enjoying life at sea, and Mr. Teach was enjoying peace at home. Edward, Blackbeard, was now the most feared pirate on the seven seas, and as long as he followed his mother's instructions every now and again, he could spend his days happily in the ship's kitchen. There was, however, a more than significant flaw in the whole endeavour. For all of Blackbeard's fearsome reputation, he hadn't actually toughened up. He was as lily-livered as ever. It was only a matter of time before something went terribly wrong. By some absolute miracle, nothing did go wrong for a very long time. However, on the 22nd of November, 1718, everything was to come crashing tragically down. By this point, Blackbeard was a wanted man. Legions of ships had chased him relentlessly. Navies from countries all over the world were seeking him out, some successfully. After several days of battles during November, during which Margaret had persuaded the crew that they must protect their beloved leader at all costs, a final and most tragic battle ensued. Below deck, Blackbeard was oblivious to what was going on above him, as the crew of Lieutenant Robert Maynard laid siege to the ship. He had long since learned to switch off to the noises above. Mid-bake, he realised he had run out of icing sugar and emerged from the kitchen in search of his mother to ask for more supplies. He stood terrified and trembling at what he saw before him. Take this, son, cried a desperate Margaret, handing him a gun. He stared down at it, hopelessly. There he is, came the shout of one of Maynard's crew as he spotted the hardly inconspicuous bearded man who was their target. Margaret's only saving grace at her ill-fated scheme was the fatal bullet which struck her moments before poor Edward met his fate. Did she expect her son to survive this vicious battle? Probably not, but at least she never witnessed the moment he was slain. As Maynard examined poor Edward's lifeless body, he was oblivious to his innocence in the grand scheme of things, and would stand as the hero who had finally ended the life of the scourge of the seven seas. To that end, Margaret's plan had been somewhat successful, with the world believing in the legend of Captain Blackbeard, but was that really what she hoped for? Probably not. <sighs> and there you go. That's finally the end of that epic. <laughs> That's quite the saga. Yeah. I realised um, I probably could have lost like the last three or four paragraphs and just ended the story as in becoming Blackbeard. So, say so yeah, I dragged it out. And uh, there you go. You've got it. Not at all. No, no, no. So we'll move swiftly on to my Probably Not, which is in the thriller genre. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Tonight, we debunked the JFK theories, unmasked Bigfoot, and uncover the secrets behind UFOs. Next week, we will be looking at a mystery much closer to home and investigating the mysterious killer who is murdering people right here in Left Ball and is rumoured to be a big fan of Taylor Swift. Be sure to tune in to next week's episode of Did That Happen? Probably not. Alison pressed the stop button, removed her headphones and sat back, basking in the feeling of yet another successful episode. Much like me and Andrew do when we record these episodes of Don't Publishers podcast. What had begun as a slight fascination of conspiracy theories had, over time, developed into an obsession. She did, however, feel sorry for her listeners, 
thinking they were suckers, too keen to eat all, eat all the nonsense she was spoon-feeding them. Especially since she was now able to make money from her ca- podcast, thanks to sponsors. Robin opportunities, guys! That was me. But, yeah. Anyway. No, as far as Alison could see, there was no way she was going to get her just desserts for being such an awful human being. No comeuppance at all. Wink. John left the left ball hotel and slid his wedding ring out of his pocket and back onto his hand. The cheating scumbag had spent the night with a female colleague, colleague even. <laughs> Not a collie. Start that again. The cheating scumbag had spent the night with a female colleague who was not his wife. As he strode across the car park to his Mitsubishi Outlander, he basked in his own smugness, that is, until he had something coming from behind him. Can I go where you go? John turned to see a figure leap from the shadows and attack him. Later on, John's body was found on the bonnet of his car by Jessica, his secretary and the person he was having an affair with. He had been killed and had had the word cheat written across his shirt in deep red lipstick. Detectives spoke to Jessica and John's wife, but they were soon cleared after their alibis were looked into. So apparently, guys, the phantom Swifty has struck again. Rumours are circulating that a man was killed by Taylor's number one fan in our small town of Leftball just last night. Be sure to get in touch if you think this is true or whether we just need to shake it off and get on with our lives. If you ask me as to whether this is actually happening, I'd have to say, probably not. Alison laughed at how quickly she incorporated a Taylor Swift song title into her closing monologue and ceased recording. Leaving the studio, she didn't notice, but a shadowy figure was lurking in the nearby bushes watching her. She went about her way as if nothing was going to come back on her. Wink. Sylvia was the last to leave the office. She ran a charity that raised money for war veterans and had been stealing funds for the last three years. She reached her car, locked the doors and started the engine before setting off for home. As she drove home in her Bentley Continental GT, Sylvia thought her Bentley Continental GT was making a strange noise. So as she approached some traffic lights that had conveniently turned red on her arrival, Sylvia stopped and turned off the engine of her Bentley Continental GT in an attempt to work out whether the sound was coming from the car or not. To her relief, she still heard it when the engine was off, but her relief was short-lived as she heard trouble, trouble, trouble coming from her back seat. Sylvia screamed as the figure who'd been lurking there reached forward and grabbed her. Later on, Sylvia's body was found in her car later that night, still at the traffic lights. She'd been killed and on her forehead, in deep red lipstick, was the word thief. Detectives were unable to find any prints or clues of any kind. Rumours continue to circulate about the Taylor Swift killer and left ball folks, as my sources tell me another victim was claimed last night. I honestly think that if this was happening, we'd have had more confirmation than just a few whispers around the town. So did this happen? Did this happen? I have to say, probably not. Alison stopped recording and smiled at just how much interest her podcast was getting, thanks to the Swift-obsessed killer. As Alison walked outside for a cigarette, the shadowy figure, figure that was lingering outside her office approached her. She turned her back on them, and as they came closer, she turned and quickly plunged a knife, which she'd been carrying in her handbag, and once the assailant breathed the last, Alison ran back in the studio to carry on recording. Ladies and gentlemen, we have another rumour, hot off the press, that the Swifty murderer has struck again this very night. 
Daily reports suggest that the latest victim was a serial stalker who harassed local women. Now, this is getting out of hand, guys. Is there a Taylor Swift obsessed killer going around our town of left ball, taking Rollins out of the picture? I'll have to say, probably not. At that, Alison stopped recording and pressing a few buttons, started playing We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together by Taylor Swift before sitting back and applying deep red lipstick to her smiling lips. The end? The end! What a publishable twist that was. <laughs> and in a further publishable way, um, left me with probably as many questions as answers in your story. Um, yeah, very good. Very good indeed. And thank you for being a little bit shorter than mine. <laughs> you still talk about stories, right? <laughs> you, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about the topic, like, where this conversation is going to go. This is the clean podcast. Yes. Um, a different, completely different topic. Um, what was the inspiration for the uh, town name? Um, I can't remember. It's been that long ago since I wrote. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just looked down. So, yeah, sure, sure. Shall we? Shall we delve then? Shall we delve into yeah. these? Let's let's stories. Let's yeah. After you. Yeah. Okay. How is yours publishable, Andrew? Maybe wordy, isn't it? Um, I, you know, and and as 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 an historical um, story, you know, some of the, some of the best historical um, dramas. I'm talking television here, but you know, I'm thinking Boardwalk Empire. I'm thinking. Peaky Blinders, I'm thinking The Godfather, really, really successfully weaved fact and fiction. Mm. And I really feel that I did none of that. I completely disagree. I thought you did such a marvellous job. And just going back to your original point of how long yours was, how long your story was, I feel like that made it better. That made it incredible. So even though we're going to try and do the whole, oh, how's yours on public, blah, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed, there it is, I thoroughly enjoyed your story. I don't know if you'll tell the truth or not. <laughs> I'm not playing mind games. I've already lost. So, yeah, oh, okay. so, like, the, the, just, just just to take him all right back to his childhood, introduce his parents and, like, the setup there, the fact that you had um, Hornigold in there, fact that you had uh, the fact that people sent their sons off to see to toughen them up i mean that's all like that was that was what was happening back then um and then just for, for him to obviously become blackbeard himself kind of thing but also have like the man behind that kind of pulling the strings it was very, <laughs> very clever very clever it was very psycho very uh i did enjoy that yeah yeah and i just thought it was just such a nice twist that you had um, like the fact that the mother leads rather than kind of playing on the idea that oh if your mother had done a better job of your grow like of your of raising you sorry that you'd be on the straight and narrow Mara do you know what I mean you kind of like turn that on its head like the mom's actually the one who wants 
a son of to not to not be a pansy and not be like Walter the Softy, as you mentioned, which was a great kind mm. of like point of reference as well at the start. I enjoy that. Yeah, I did. I did. Um so yeah, so I so I genuinely enjoyed just thoroughly enjoyed your story. Needed that after last week, to be fair. I said I keep saying last week. We recorded it last week. Whenever you're listening, last episode. Last episode, yeah. But no, loved it. I can take that today because I've already won. But I'm still <laughs> going to try and be a bit competitive. Um, but I will. I will. Um, before I ask why yours is unpublishable, um, I took some notes again. Ooh. I did. But I, you know, one of the first things I noticed was there were there was a real similarity between our two stories in the use of the repetition of, of the the title. The probably not. Because I mean, I think otherwise that was an, a real challenge to get the title to be relevant at all, and it was no coincidence. I feel that we both stumbled upon this, a similar formula. I, I agree. I think it, it was one of those things where when you get the title like that, it's either all or nothing. It kind of has to be every other paragraph or something kind of weaved in, crept creeping in, or you kind of. I don't know, maybe do something stupid and make it someone's name or something like that. Um, probably are not. Um, nice. Now, I was going to say it's cheating, but if you'd have done that, I would have <laughs> given you bonus points. Bonus unpublishability. Anyway, sorry, your point. Uh, yeah, so just, I've already uh, asked the question about the town name. Um, I really, really, really loved the premise that it was, um, I thought at first it was a show, and then when I realised it was a podcast, <laughs> followed up by you breaking the fourth wall on multiple occasions was enjoyable. Um, yes, we are open to opportunities. Absolutely. Wink. Um, Taylor Swift killer. Now, I thought that was just a little comedic gimmick and I enjoyed it. And then we brought in the, the song lyrics and, and, and whatnot. I, I don't know Swift songs very well, but I was I, I recognised enough. Um, and then... I feel this is coming from you becoming a Taylor Swift fan, by the way, having heard some of her music on the uh, the series The Bear. But anyway, that's that's another podcast. Um, but then the, actually that became central to the story because obviously the the twist there at the end that the the podcast host was was the murderer. I'm, I'm assuming to to boost ratings for mm -hmm. the podcast, and obviously. Probably not. Is there a killer on the loose? Well, from her point of view, kind of probably not the killer that you all think. Probably not a killer that I'm looking for because it's me, it's me. Um, and then the, the last thing that I um, really wanted to mention was um, our references. Thanks for putting those in. Two, um, I'd love to know as a non-car enthusiast, I'm very impressed with your Mitsubishi Outlander reference. Um, I'm guessing either Charlotte's purchased one or a relative has one, or you've done a Google. I've done a Google. You've done a Google. And then you really juxtaposed that. Not that it's a cheap automobile by any means, but really juxtaposed that against the Continental GT. Um, you know, I, I kind of throw in yeah. some numbers. And you, you, you've done a couple of... Solid efforts. I mean, okay, if you read the reviews, the Outlander's probably going to get about two stars, but it's all opinion. But then, you know, no one's going to knock a Bentley. If you say so. Yeah, I do. So all of that together um, is what I think makes 
a very, very publishable story. Well done, Mara. I also, possibly the first time I've said it this series, thoroughly enjoyed your tale. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> what makes it unpublishable? No, I thought it was brilliant, even if I do say so myself. <laughs> I'm really intrigued to see what the uh, mystery reader makes of it this week. Shall we see what they have to say for themselves, the mystery reader, this week, this episode? Absolutely. Go on then. <laughs> it's with you. No, 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 no. It got sent to the email. Oh, did it? Yeah. You... So just just while um, Mr. Arna is, is going into the, the company email, um, no. the mystery we this before for several weeks. Empty. Don't pause this podcast. Oh, hang on. Well, this is this this is most unusual. Right. What has the mystery reader said? I wonder if they've emailed it to me. Uh, your turn to hum a tune while I quickly... Um, I'm glad this has happened e- because, um, yeah, it's it's nice that Andy's got the, the feedback just, just close at hand. Hmm, maybe I'll hum a tune or something since he left the other night just to see what his wife was laughing at. Um, have you left that bit in as well? Yes, yes, I have. Oh, oh good, good. I'll it makes it vapor. Up, don't worry, I'll fill this up with some uh, some music. Do, 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 do. could be waiting a while here. He, he sang for 24 hours because the mystery oh. reader is at the pub. Let me just see if there's anything come through to me. Do you need no. Well, mm. well, it's going really well. I have to cut this bit. Uh, hang on, bear with. Nah, keep it in. Uh, depends how long it goes on for. Uh, oh, we just got an email. Nope, Amazon. <laughs> oh, oh, mm. Checking spam. Oh, sorry, it's in the spam. Ah. Ha <laughs> ha! It's on you, not me! <laughs> so, hello. Two very different stories that were very easy reads. They've been very kind. Ooh. Series mystery reader, very, very kind. I'm going to have to say my winner is probably not the historical story. Blackbeard's legacy is one that will live on. I found myself being able to picture the ship and the characters quite clearly as I was reading it. I enjoyed the concept of the Taylor Swift murderer, but I had some unanswered questions that made the story a bit loose. Announcing the murder so soon after it happened was a poor decision on her part. She was going to get caught from that. Thanks. Mystery readers praised your story and said how terrible mine is. Delightful. I love it. Uh, I think I think the mystery reader, wonderful feedback as always. Yes. Um, Thank you, mystery reader. Um, yes. Um, I think they were busy um, and kind of went with it, but it's good. I'm happy because I feel like this has been my best week because not only did I get the point, I also got compliments for my story. So it's like win-win. Yes, I mean, I'm really sorry. This is the first week genuinely it has been lose-lose on your part, and I'm I'm sorry about that. Ah, don't be. Like, May I just say um, just how ironic it is 
actually genuinely ironic that uh, the feedback for our stories ended up in the spam folder. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for listening, guys. Thank you for joining us for, for another marvellous question mark episode of Don't Publishers Podcast. Probably not. Probably not. Ciao yep. for See you all soon. Bye. Don't write this, don't read this, don't rate this, it's rubbish, don't publish this podcast. <laughs>